Hello and welcome to the SAE Tomorrow Today podcast. I'm your host, Grayson Brulte. On today's episode, we're absolutely honored to have Jimmy Petronas, Chief Financial Officer for the state of Florida. Welcome to the podcast, Jimmy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're, we're super excited. And leading up to this interview, a lot of my friends are asking me, well, what does the Chief Financial Officer of the state of Florida do? What is this individual responsible for? Could you please kindly shed some light on that? Yes, yeah, so I, t- I tell people affectionately, I'm, I'm the state's business manager. I keep the trains running on time. I manage and balance the state's checkbook. I write every retirement check. I pay every invoice. Uh, but in addition to that, uh, you know, I regulate um, a, a lot of industries. I license every insurance agent. I do all insurance fraud. Uh, probably the, the job that my, my nine-year-old and 12-year-old think is coolest is I'm the state fire marshal. So I get a badge. And, uh, you know, there's just, it's, it's just, again, it's, it's whatever else the governor's office doesn't do ends up in my world. So anyway, uh, but it's, it's, it's a, a fun job. It's, uh, it's, it's much more enjoyable than I ever thought it would be. Being a small business owner teaches you a lot about life and business. And as a f- small former business owner and the CFO of the third largest state in America, how has this experience as being a business owner impacted the way that you manage the state's finances? Well, in the in the restaurant business, I was a part of 30 years. Uh, my, my brothers, my family are still heavily involved in it. Um, I was always in the mode of being a customer servant, always taking care of the customer. Um, and I always knew that if I didn't take care of the customer in the restaurant business, somebody else would. So I still carry that same type of mentality I did when I was in the legislature. I do as a CFO. Um, I'm still one of these types. I can't say it for everybody in the state, but I like my personal email being listed on the state website. And when people email me, it goes straight to my phone. Uh, so I like being accessible. Uh, and if I don't know the answer to your question, or if it's not my job, I typically don't pass the buck. I just find the answer. And because and, look, when people reach out to government, they want you know their questions answered. They don't want to get sent to somebody else's inbox in order to find an answer. That's something that you should be be proud of because more public servants need to take that type of leadership that you're clearly demonstrating in your role as CFO. And the thing that you've done a really good job that I'm super happy and I hope you can pull it off. And on Twitter, you've been very vocal about inviting Elon Musk to Florida. And yesterday, the LA Times reporting that Elon is thinking about moving Tesla headquarters. Uh, anything that you'd like to share? Have you been able to get him to go? Is that what the LA Times is hinting at? So, I mean, I, I, I tweeted at Elon this morning, and I, and I took that same LA Times, Times article, and look, the, there is a, a number of states that would, you know, give give whatever it takes to bring Elon Musk uh, to their state. He's already got a presence here in Florida, but you know what it is? I sent a picture of the Florida sunshine, and I said, you get to wake up every morning, Solar City would prosper in Florida, you could drive your Tesla to your launch sites for both launching and landings, and at the same time, guaranteed 100% accessibility to the sun every day without smog-free, uh, smog, uh, you know, California. So uh, I'm going to try to use humor, but also bring a very real reality that um, California is not open for business the way Florida is. You're totally correct about that. And Florida is really starting to emerge as the home of the future. The Washington Post is now calling the Space Coast the comeback coast, with companies such as SpaceX and Blue Origin having open facilities there and creating new high-paying jobs. How is the Space Coast revitalized? So, you know, it's so funny you bring that up because at the launch, uh, you know, we just had manned launch a couple months ago. I was excited to be there. I'm sitting there, I'm talking to the number two at NASA, and I'm asking, you know, what's what's recruitment of employees like? And she points out to me, which I was totally disarming. 
she pointed out to me that right now they don't have a problem with employees because of so much energy that has taken place in the Space Coast that there's individuals from all over the United States that are coming out of college that have this vision of still, you know, being a part of the next generation that launches rockets, that is doing the next greatest things when it comes to expanding technology, and they're coming organically. So, you know, that's what gets me excited that here we've got something that, you know, private sectors have come in made a commitment to Florida, made something that's attractive. And you know what we should do as government is we should water it, we should fertilize it, and we should help it grow and prosper. And what are your thoughts on that May 30th launch being a commercial uh, aircraft built on American soil, launched from American soil in the state of Florida? Do you see that expanding more of the commercialization of, of the aerospace happening in the Space Coast? Well, you know, it, it, it shows me that there's a lot more to space flight out of Florida than I ever would have given it credit for. Um, to think of we're on the verge of seeing internet available globally, no matter what uh, part of the, the country you live in or what part of the world you live in, and how the the limits are, are, are endless. Um, and and the fact that when you know when SpaceX was able to to generate and create a first stage fuselage that was reusable that could launch and come back and then be used repeatedly. And now, now I put my nerdy hat on that the insurance rates on the second and third use of that fuselage is same rates as the first time use. That shows you the type of, of predictability, reliability of what the business sector is saying. You know what? We think the first version is just as good as the third version, so we're going to charge you the same money. That's that's great for the the economies of scale of making it affordable. And you're you're clearly making it affordable with the insurance rates, and you're not going to go tax every mile that you go into space like California's threatening to do, are you? No, I mean, look, at, at the end of the day, whenever you can have somebody else come in with private sector dollars, I thought it was so funny. I was listening to a podcast regarding space launch, and, and one of the commentators made the easiest way to become uh, a millionaire in space flight is start off as a billionaire. And <laughs> and because there's so, there's so many risks that have to be taken. But, you know, to see what we're doing right now, uh, it's, uh, it's exciting times in Florida. And thank you for those outside, uh, you know, investors and visionaries coming in to make the investment. As CFO for the state, how do you ensure that all the research and development for space continues to be done here in the state? Well, you just do everything we can to get out there and, and be a protector and an advocate for what our state has. You know, we have a very low tax uh, tax rate in the state of Florida. We have no state income tax. And then when you look at our liabilities compared to other states, um, in the in the case of a, a, a New Jersey or a New York, let's just use New York, for example. New York has got $150 billion in just liabilities in addition to a $150 billion a year budget. Well, the state of Florida's got, you know, a $92 billion budget. Uh, we've got about $20 billion in liabilities. And oh, by the way, Florida has more people. So, you know, as we try to illustrate, uh, there'll be a day of reckoning in the New Yorks and New Jersey's and California's because they eventually will have to pay their dues and pay their debts. Uh, the state of Florida is just better positioned in order to, to face challenges, whether it be COVID or you name it. The is the financial ability of the state one of the key drivers of recruiting businesses when they look and see that's a stable government, stable finances? I think that's I think stable economy and economic, you know, not having a lot of debt uh, is is key to anybody's you know success and recruiting. My my mother in law, um, it was it was obvious, you know, I, I grew up in a business that was you know a family that was that believed in business, worked hard. It wasn't until my mother in law really you know, illustrated to me how important it is to, to you know, try to rid yourself of debt. 
And so th that's what at least we had over the last, you know, eight years of Rick Scott and the last, you know, year and a half with Governor DeSantis is, you know, we just we're declaring war on debt in the state of Florida. And now COVID hits. It affects every single state in the union's revenues and ability to make revenues. But thank goodness that we have been so disciplined to attack debt in the state for days just like this. That's really important to hear that the states are tackling debt. And I think it's also really important to point out that the state's diversifying its economy. When individuals from the outside look at the Space Coast, they think of NASA and going to space. But the Space Coast is actually starting to merge into the supersonic Space Coast with Arian opening their Arian Park there. And do we, we see Virgin Galactic open their supersonic and that the Space Coast, the next great growth leg, will be supersonic jets? Well, wouldn't that be great? So, yeah, I saw, I read yesterday where um, Virgin has got, I guess, their first, it's going to be, I guess, an 18-passenger uh, aircraft that they're going to be uh, trying to commercialize. Uh, and, you know, it, it's kind of crazy. You know, I go out of my way to go look at a, at a Concorde whenever I get there. There's, you know, 18, 19 of them left in the world. And to think of, of what type of, of risk and then you had to sell it and make it happen. I mean, I, all right, I'm going to be really nerdy to you now because you, you hit a hot button for me is – I even have gone on eBay and I own a actual Concord uh, ticket uh, wow. that somebody used to. So I mean, I just uh, there there's no there's no bounds to when you empower you know individuals with a vision and they want to make an investment and commitment what they can do to be visionaries and and the Concord maybe is a little bit before his time but you know I guess what Branson's doing right now is pretty exciting too. And on, on a previous podcast we had Tom Weiss who's the CEO and chairman of Arion. And he's coming to Melbourne. He's like, I'm so excited. I can't wait to build this product in Florida. So are you going to call up Mr. Vice and say, hi, I'd like to um, go in your plane and be one of your first passengers? Well, whatever, whatever it takes in order to let him know that Florida's got the welcome, Matt. Uh, I, I like the way you're thinking and keep sending me the ideas. <laughs> and, and speaking of ideas, when you look to win business from other states, how can Florida control the commercial space tourism business from states such as New Mexico, which has a spaceport America? You know, I, I, again, I, I think you got to look at what other states have as their risks. Um, there's only seven states in the United States that don't have a state income tax. I think that's a huge advantage for, for our state. You've had other states uh, that do have a state income tax that ultimately have to provide more incentives, cash up front in order to recruit businesses. Uh, so in the state of Florida, we have we have created a a very lean operation, low overhead uh, state to do business in. Other states obviously have to subsidize in order to get those other companies recruiting there. And and I don't like funny math. I like if you can come and do business. I did that when I was at the restaurant. Whenever a vendor came in, I don't want to deal with a bunch of rebates and kickbacks and other ways in order to, to lower my body line, bottom line with whatever gimmick they had to offer. I just want to know at the end of the day, this is the invoice I pay and this is my cost of doing business. And that's the way State of Florida operates every day. That's wonderful. And what do you, impact do you see having space tourism on Florida's economy? With There won't be funny math where you pay your fee and then all suddenly there's this fee, this fee, this fee. It'll just be one set price. The state will uh, work with the commercial operators. So, I mean, I look at what Florida's been doing for the, you know, for the last, you know, 30 years. We, we have constantly catered to a as a departure point for a secondary vacation 
They'll, they'll come to Disney, they'll come to Universal Studios, they'll spend a few days, they'll fly in from the United Kingdom, they'll fly in from Spain, they'll fly in from Brazil, and then what do they do? They go catch a cruise and departure and have another vacation while they're in Florida. So again, we're, we're pros at this, we've, we've been doing it for decades, uh, and I feel like, you know, again, the, the space traveler is no different. Um, there's may be a fewer of them starting off with, but hopefully it grows. I'm going to be really excited when Brightline connects Miami to Orlando, as you mentioned, when those tourists can, <laughs> they can go see Mickey Mouse and then they can go relax on the beach. That'll be really interesting to see what impact that has on our economy. Sure. You know, and uh, I, I, was in, I was in the legislature when, when we were helping Brightline uh, you know, come online. And again, I think wherever you can have um, innovative technology, but at the same time, private sector investors bringing it to life, this is good for the overall cost of doing business on behalf of the citizens of the state of Florida. Brightline's a perfect example of that. When you look at the, the current state of the world with, with COVID-19, when can investors and the business community expect to see some form of liability protections? So uh, thank you for asking that question. You know, um, Leader McConnell in the United States Senate has made that a kind of a prerequisite of anything happening. Um, we sent a letter to him last week. Uh, I was on a conference call this morning uh, with hospitals questioning the same thing. Uh, bear with me. Any legislative body, whether it be the Florida legislature or any other state legislature or Congress, we still have to continue to advocate, educate, and reach out to those decision makers of this threat. And we don't need we don't need a catastrophic accident, you know, whether it be a huge financial crisis brought on by liability concerns to force a solution after the fact. We all see it there. We all know it's coming. The fear is there. And it's not just for business. It's not for profits. It's the American Heart Association. It's a cancer society. There's anybody, everybody who uses uh, community touch and outreach in order to create a mission. So it's not just, you know, private sector that needs this liability protection. It's a lot of our own businesses that we take for granted that are the non-for-profits in our back background that do incredible service every day to our citizens. Well, we see the Florida legislator introduce a, a liability protection bill in the upcoming session, do you think? So, you know, um, it's it's funny. I know our, our mutual friend Jeff Brandis and I were talking about this last week, and uh, Jeff and I are going to, to get together. There's a number of, of legislators that are, are like-minded with that, um, but I think we've got to get something introduced in order to start the dialogue and if nothing else to bring awareness and education to to the legislature and those members of the legislature. Look, I was there eight years and and most of the silos I was in was transportation, economic development, um, uh, environmental protection. I wasn't at many say K-12 or education silos. So if you're not in those particular committees, you're not staying up with the latest policies. So you just got to work it because you've got to reach you got to reach you know a plurality of both chambers in order to make it a reality. And when you you look around the state and you look going back to Governor Scott's administration and going to fast forwarding to Governor DeSantis' administration, good policy is allowing companies to come relocate here. And in Orlando, you have Luminar, which is developing high resolution lidars for self driving cars. Voyage is deploying self driving cars in the villages to south side of Orlando. Argo AI Ford are de developing self driving cars in Miami. As the self-driving car industry continues to emerge and grow in the state, what can you do as CFO to attract more self-driving cars to Florida? Here's, here's a hat I like to wear. I think the self-driving technology 
is going to be a game changer in the cost of insurance with our citizens. So, you know, so we just had the recent Volkswagen settlement where you've had Governor Sanchez making the commitment to roll out electric infrastructure from, uh, for uh, electric vehicles around the state. Um, I, I've got a Tesla Model 3, and I did not know what, when I, I decided to, to buy one. So I, I, I bought the basic model, didn't buy the full auto drive. But you know what I've got is I've got an ability to drive around in a car, and I've got a co-pilot that's constantly looking out for me when I drive. It's looking to the left, it's looking to the right, it's looking in front, it's looking in back, and I'm safer because of it. When, when you start to see more and more mainstream automobile ma manufacturers embracing more and more auto drive safety technologies, it's ultimately going to affect collision rates. And the collision rates are affected, that's going to change the cost of insurance. And so will you see as this more of this more advanced ADAS technology becomes available in cars with it, the insurance rates for your average Floridian will start to trickle down? They should. They should. I mean, at the end of the day, it's no different what we saw with COVID. Uh, the state farms, the GEICOs, the all states, there was billions of miles nationwide driven less over the last five months. And because of that, there was no accidents. And because of that, the carriers, they have to go and they, they're regulated industry. They have to go file for rate filings. Their profits and their utilization is on the books for the public to look at, for insurance commissioners to look at. They cannot justify, you know, keeping their rates at the same level uh, when there's no accidents. So the quickest way to be honest is be an honest broker and don't let me demand the money you know, they started paying it back. So they get the goodwill out of it, the goodwill factor with their own uh, members and policyholders saying, here's a rebate because you know what? Nobody's driving right now. So it was, you know, transparency brought information to the public, which ultimately provided value to the policyholders. And when you're driving around in your Model 3, uh, we talked a lot about this with Senator Brandis, and he's learning about charging infrastructure. Is that something that you're looking at as well as you're driving around in your Model 3, trying to figure out where the best place is? Yeah, range anxiety is something I think every driver gets to at some point. And then you start to you know, understand that the the technology is, is not just good, it's very smart. So, I mean, yeah, I can tell you where every, where every conveniently accessible 110 outlet is, you know, 240 outlet is, uh, you know, and, and do, I, do I shop also smartly where I know that if I'm gonna stay at a hotel that's got a, uh, an outlet, absolutely, that, that affects my decision when I travel if I've got it now. Again, market share of the electric vehicles is, is still uh, a growing uh, segment, but you know, more and more as, as people drive them, they'll, they'll want to have that, uh, that comfort. And I want to pivot back to self-driving cars because as, you know, being serving as the state fire marshal, I have to ask you this question. I've been dying to, to know, will we ever see an autonomous fire truck? You know, um, here's what's interesting. Are fire trucks right now massive pieces of equipment? All right. So you've seen a pivot. And look, I'm not trying to undermine the, the beauty of the chrome and the heavy steel and the diesel engines. But but our firemen and first responders now, they they have started to revolve in a role more of a uh, of a, a healthcare professional, really. So you're seeing more and more uh, SUVs, suburbans, smaller vehicles making that response to that call. So I, I think the mission of what our firemen do, we'll probably see some autonomous vehicles in, involved with it. It may not just be the fire engines. 
That'd be really neat that if there was a, a fire and you could send in a, an autonomous water truck that could start before the, the firefighters could de- get there to help save property damage and lives, that would be really interesting. Well, and you look at what they've been able, our fire departments are using drones right now. And it's amazing. So they'll have the infrared camera. They can fly overhead. They can see where the hot spots are. And then the firefighters surgically attack that spot first. So so you're on to something with autonomous because the technology is already there to help develop the hot spots from overhead. So um, drones, technology like that is all being utilized now. When you look at technologies being utilized in the state, technologies being developed here in the state, what can the state do to attract more venture capital so companies don't have to feel this urge to move to Silicon Valley? Look, I, I think this is all why, uh, you know, I, I affectionately call it trolling, but this is why I go after Elon Musk. This is why I go after Amazon. You know, when, when Amazon's trying to build out a distribution center and the state of New York runs them off, you know, I'm going to go and, and accentuate the, the advantages Florida's got. So, you know, anytime there is a narrative out there where other states are competing for somebody, you know, I think that's my opportunity to sell the state of Florida. That's a really good point. And there, we had a success story here in Florida, uh, Rivian, which was founded by Florida native Ari Scott in Rockledge. The company unfortunately relocated to Michigan in 2015 to be closer to suppliers. Since leaving Florida, this is the really bad part, Rivian has raised $2.85 billion from Amazon, T. Rowe, Price, and BlackRock. Mm-hmm. How can we encourage success stories like that? to stay in Florida that was founded by a Florida native in Florida on the space coast. How can we, what can we do to keep them here? Well, and again, I think, I think it takes a, a commitment by the state of Florida in order to recruit those type of businesses and give them the support they need. Uh, I'm excited about the Rivian product. They got a good looking pickup truck. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to see, but at, at the same time, bringing something like that to life, we're not known for manufacturing automobiles in the state of Florida. Uh, but, it's got to start somewhere. This was the case in not that long ago in the state of Alabama. They didn't manufacture automobiles, but now they were effectively uh, being able to recruit Mercedes. And then you've got the branch of other manufacturers moving there. It's happened in Georgia. It's happened in South Carolina. So all it takes is one, and then you start the ball rolling. So this is what we do every day. I get up and try to figure out a way how to make it rain. Well, if you can get Tesla here, I think that would get the ball rolling on a pretty fast. Right. Well, you know, and, and, I, and again, I, I look at what the state of Florida's got, you know, in, in the case of New York, why would you want to go and relocate to a state like, look, there's lots of people, there's lots of customers there, okay? But why would you want to relocate to New York where the cost of business is so expensive? Uh, I, I had a, a lunch last week with a group that they 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 build the, um, for affectionately called the, the electric gas pumps. And they're building them in their market. It's But what's expensive to them is the market that they're in is the transportation cost of the infrastructure, uh, of the hardware. So they want to find a new location in another state. So I was talking to them the other day of, of how do we how do we bring you to Florida? They want to come to Florida. Uh, they see the market growth in Florida. They see the opportunities in Florida. Um, so, again, I just constantly try to keep you know my head in the game. And when you were campaigning for CFO, you drove thousands upon thousands of miles around this really diverse state as an entrepreneur or an individual that wants to move their business or a corporation that wants to move their business. What would you like them to know about the state? You know, that when you look at it, <laughs> I will tell you, you, you asked a, a good question. Um, when you drive 80,000 miles in a year's time and you realize, 
you know, it doesn't take long. All you have to do is make one trip to Texas and you realize how great the roads are in the state of Florida. So, you know, uh, I had, uh, I had been a humanitarian mission after Hurricane Harvey over in Beaumont, Texas. And all I knew is as soon as I crossed that Texas line, I mean, the roads were just filled with potholes and, and, and look, and, and it is what it is. A big state like Texas, it's it's miles and miles of nothing but miles and miles. And there's a lot of expense and overkeep to maintain those miles. Um, state of Florida, we definitely, uh, going back to really uh, Governor Bush, has been very focused on making sure the infrastructure in the state of Florida is first rate. And what advice would you have for a young individual who wants to pursue a career in public office? You know, uh, I, I recommend anybody who is interested in, in going into public office is to, to one, if you've got a passion of public service, you know, get involved with your local civic clubs, your, a local charitable uh, organization, and, and realize there's, there's a lot of good that can be done without necessarily having your name on the ballot. And, and once you realize that you can find a rewarding accomplishment that you did something to make a difference in your own community by being part of a team, you know, you, you then build up some understanding, some confidence, uh, some education. And if you still like to take it at the next level, you know, you should. I think that's, that's the one great thing about our country. You know, anybody coming from any walk of life can accomplish anything. And uh, I, Senator Scott, to me, is a great example. He's a, he's a guy who came from a broken home, uh, never knew his, his birth father, you know, knew that the only way he was going to get out of anywhere in life was to work his way out of it. And now he's a sitting U.S. senator and a former governor of the state of Florida. So there, there is opportunities abound in the greatest country in the world. And as we look to wrap this up, I'd like to leave it with this. What would you say to a mobility company, a technology company that wants to relocate to Florida, what the economy is going to look like in the future? So I, I, I would just remind them about what our pension system looks like in the state of Florida is a perfect example. Our pension in the state of Florida is funded at about 87%. You go to New Jersey, it's funded about 46%. That means 46 cents. If somebody, everybody decided to cash out of their state pension in New Jersey, they'd only get 46 cents on every dollar that they're owed. All those are liabilities. And if, do you really want to go and invest, you know, potentially hundreds of millions of dollars into a state that at some point is going to have to say, you know what, we're going to have to raise taxes, raise fees, change the cost of doing business because we have pension liabilities or we have bond liabilities and, and we have a declining population base that is not increasing to the state's tax rolls. So, you know, it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to realize that there's a lot of other states, there's an organic movement from high tax states to low tax states. And as Florida picks up the volume, I'm going back to my restaurant business, that's why we had a we had a, a thousand seat restaurant. You know, there's times a year where we don't fill all thousand seats, and then there's times a year during the season where we're filling those thousand seats multiple times. It's based on the volume, and Florida's got that magic going for it. And as we've heard here on this podcast with Jim Petronas, Chief Financial Officer for the State of Florida, Florida is a financially stable state. Florida is is open for business. And Jimmy, we thank you so much for taking the time to share your vision and thoughts on Florida. And thank you so much. Well, I appreciate it. And look, uh, look, help me recruit Elon. Follow me on Twitter at Jimmy at Jimmy Petronas, and let's turn up the volume. It's uh, it's been a joy to talk to y'all. Thanks for everything today. You're welcome. Come on, Floridians, we can get Elon here. Elon, <laughs> you know how to get a hold of me. Let's go. Let's do it. Thank you, Jimmy. All right, take care. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to SAE's Tomorrow Today podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please kindly rate it, share your feedback, we love comments, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. 
For more information on SAE and SAE podcasts, be sure to visit sae.org forward slash podcast and follow SAE on social media at SAEINTL on Twitter and Instagram and at SAE International on Facebook and LinkedIn. SAE International makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information presented in this podcast. The information and opinions are for general information only. SAE International does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast.